Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Behanna, and uh, alongside me, as always, fellow Pensburg contributor and co-host of the Pensburg Podcast, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how have you been since last week's episode? I can't complain too much, Garrett. Uh, I, like we were just talking before we hit record here, it's been kind of uh, dreary and cold and wet and just miserable weather-wise, and I guess if you're from Western Pennsylvania this time of year, you can't really complain about it because you uh, choose to live here. But that's <laughs> uh, pretty much how it's been, just wet and miserable and uh, just, as you said, one day closer to spring. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you can call it the dog days of winter, but uh, yeah, th- that's how I'm looking at it now that we're approaching February. Uh, we're, we're getting through the the meat and potatoes of the NHL schedule. And uh, if, you're, if you're an NHL fan, you're one step closer to the trade deadline and hopefully for your team that you're rooting for. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, I hope that you're a Penguins fan, first and foremost. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, the Penguins, they are in the wild card race right now. They still, still do have a puncher's chance of finishing third in the division, and we'll, we'll touch on that uh, as we get into the mailbag this week. Uh, Robbie, the main topic I want to talk about this week might be something that we touched on briefly a couple of episodes ago, but it's reared its ugly head once again and that is goaltending issues and goaltending depth because it seems like uh the penguins can never really go through a full season without losing at least one or in reality a couple of their key contributors on the ice tristan jari uh the penguin starting goaltender number one goaltender was a surprise late scratch against the florida panthers on tuesday it was later revealed through mike sullivan that Jari suffered an upper body injury and he will miss at least the next two games that will probably take the Penguins through the All-Star break, I would imagine, and out of the All-Star break. And in Jari's stead, we have Casey DeSmith, who came in as the starter during Tuesday night's game against the Florida Panthers and allowed six goals on 39 shots in what was a really a thrilling 7-6 to six overtime victory if you're a Penguins fan. But Robbie, I want to talk to you about this because we're we're back to talking about and analyzing goaltending depth and if the Penguins can survive with 
with the goaltending that they've been getting. I, I described it in the outline here. I said spicy pork and broccoli. It was it really was. It was a fun story for a few days in May. But Tristan Jari now has sustained another injury in what is his contract year. Casey DeSmith can be described as inconsistent as, at best. You really don't know what you're getting when he starts between the pipes. The Penguins' playoff hopes, Robbie, may not lie directly with the goaltending that they get, but the last two postseasons, they've been done in by shoddy goaltending, whether it be an injury to Tristan Jari or Jari's bad postseason play in 20, I think it was, that would have been 2021 or 2020 against the Islanders. But the the point still stands. Robbie, if, if, if Jari's injury isn't long-term, Given that this is a contract year for him and the Penguins really don't have anyone to replace him beneath him, beneath Jari, in terms of goaltending prospects, how swayed are you, given this latest injury news, into giving Jari a contract extension, even if the free agent crop of unrestricted free agent goaltenders isn't all that great this year? Well, generally, we save the goaltending discourse for the playoffs, but I guess we're getting in a little early this year. So uh, I think overall, obviously, yeah, concerns with Tristan Jari's health. And generally, that was just a, again, postseason problem going back to last year. But this is now his second injury this season that will keep him out for uh, at least more than one game. And at least, as far as we know, at least more than three games total since he will not play against the Capitals on Thursday night or against the Sharks on uh, Saturday night before going into the All-Star break. So timing-wise, I guess uh, it could be much worse. You will get a nice 9- or 10-day break uh, coming up here for the Penguins where uh, Jari will get a chance to heal up, and we hope that it's not anything serious and he can return much sooner rather than later um, because if the if the Casey DeSmith that's going to be taking over is the Casey DeSmith that we saw on Tuesday night against the Panthers, we're going to have a very long uh, absence of Tristan Jari because, yeah, games like that are fun. Uh, scoring like that for the Penguins is not sustainable uh, to keep up with that. Uh, it was great to see the Penguins go off in that game. You had Drew O'Connor getting on the score sheet. You had Chris Letang's amazing comeback in the lineup, the emotional comeback and everything that kind of went into that game. But there was multiple points in that game where the Penguins should have had a lead remain intact if it wasn't. And it wasn't at all Casey dismissed fault. The defense definitely left much to be desired, but they didn't play seven or six goals against bad uh, that there was many moments in that game where Tristan or Casey Smith needed to make a save and failed to do so. And as a result, the Penguins uh, lost the lead and lost momentum in the process. And yeah, he did come up with some big saves um, when the defense did a stumble, but overall it just wasn't a good enough effort. And you just hope that it's just these next two games and we can get Tristan Jari back and he can remain healthy. But it definitely asks some questions about Jari going forward after this uh, this season, obviously, you hope he comes back healthy this year. But what are is the front office willing to do in terms of investing long term in a goaltender that cannot stay healthy when they need him most? And right now, the Penguins on the playoff bubble, they need their best performance every night uh, to get points and to build going forward here after the All Star break. They're in a tight race. And it's far from over. It's probably going to come down to the wire. And at the same time, there's still a, a chance that they can uh, fight their way out of a wild card spot and get to third 
in the division and avoid having to take on one of the division winners, especially the Boston Bruins. But what can the Penguins do in goal right now? You just have to roll with what you got. They're not going to, at least not in the immediate term, bring in a veteran backup. I think that is something that they definitely need to look into. We said the same thing last year and it didn't happen. And you kind of look at where it led uh, in that first round exit against the New York Rangers. Uh, then you have uh, Dustin Tokarski as your third stringer, who oh, he looked good in the game that he won, but he looked maybe not as good in the game that uh, he started uh, right after that. And I don't know if you will see Tokarski uh, get any action in these next two games. If he's not a starter, you certainly hope he doesn't uh, get any action because uh, that means Casey Smith had a not so great performance again. And and really, if Smith would have started that game the other night and played the way he did. And if there would have been a non-e-bug goalie available, you absolutely probably would have seen Casey Smith pulled in that hockey game. So where they go from here, for this season at least, you just hope Jari returns, can be healthy, and can play to the potential that we know he can. The offseason, that I don't necessarily want to be the person in the room trying to negotiate that contract or having to make that decision whether you're going to negotiate at all. I think in the end, Tristan Jari will be a Pittsburgh Penguin next year unless... Um, some otherworldly option becomes available. Uh, none of the prospects, uh, the Penguins do have some nice goaltending prospects. Uh, none are even close to ready to make a uh, appearance at um, the NHL. I mean, nothing and any other option down in the AHL is really just a minor league level goaltender, a replacement level goaltender like um, a Tokarski or a Domingue, if they're even to that level. The, both of those guys have NHL pedigree, um, even if they aren't regular NHL uh, players. So I think overall, right now, it's just really about getting Jari back on the ice and limiting how long he's off and hope that he can stay healthy uh, down the stretch. And then the offseason, you have to look into his health and his his durability because you kind of had the same issue uh, with Matt Murray pop up. Uh, Matt Murray would get hurt and he really never would find any kind of consistent level of play because he wasn't on the ice long enough um, for it to ever happen. So I think overall it's a tricky situation to be in. uh, But right now I think the Penguins focus has to be on uh, the rest of this season, uh, getting healthy and getting to the playoffs and see what he brings you in the playoffs. And then, sit down in the off season when, whenever that starts and reevaluate there and see if you believe that he is worth a, a long-term contract or if maybe they go for a bridge type deal um, to see if uh, kind of a prove it type deal to see if he, you want him to be the long-term answer. And it's not like, it's not like Jari's stats this year have been, uh, have been bad. M- maybe the Penguins needed him or, kind of wanted him to be, I don't know if otherworldly is the is the correct term here, but he owns a 16-5-5 and record with a 2.65 goals against average and a 9.21 save percentage, which is up from his career, 9.16 save percentage. Looking at Jari's, some of Jari's advanced metrics, I mean, his even strength save percentage right now is 9.26 this season. His uh, high danger, high danger scoring chance save percentage right now is 8.21, which is lower than it was last year at 8.30. But obviously, Jari hasn't played the the same amount of minutes as he did last season. So that still could increase. And, you know, on the flip side, 
looking at Casey DeSmith, that's where I kind of have some concern if he has to step in for Jari over a longer period of time because I think Casey DeSmith is a slightly below average to average backup goaltender in the NHL. That's his absolute ceiling. His even strength save percentage, DeSmith's even strength save percentage this year is 902, which is a drastic decrease from where it was when he finished last season at 922. His high danger scoring chance save percentage was 842 throughout the duration of the 2021-22 season, whereas this year, that same statistic, the high danger scoring chance save percentage has fallen all the way down to 811 an 811 high danger scoring chance save percentage. So there has been a drop in play in some of DeSmith's numbers. At the end of the day, though, I don't know if Ron Hextall, if, if you're looking to fix this team and fix its, some of its shortcomings, I don't know if goaltending right now is the biggest problem. It's probably on the list somewhere, maybe third or fourth on the list of things that you'd like to see an improvement with. Um, but still, it's kind of kind of the Penguins made this bed Ron Hextall made this bed of extending Casey DeSmith, putting his faith in Casey DeSmith as the team's backup netminder for a two-year extension. And uh, for better or worse, the Penguins, at least through the end of this season, are going to be stuck with this tandem. I don't want to say stuck. That sounds like it's it's negative towards DeSmith and Jari because when they're both healthy, and again, that's kind of the point of the discussion we're having here, is when they're both healthy, I think they're they're an above-average tandem that can help the Penguins win a lot of games. Um, but again, we're having this discussion now where the, the team's top goaltender, who they need, like you said, Robbie, the team, the Penguins, are in a wild card battle. It's probably going to come down to the wire, and they're going to need all the points they can get. You know, you need your best players to be at their peak performance to collect these points, and the Penguins don't have one of their top players in Tristan Jari right now. So for Jari, for Jari's sake, hopefully... This this injury isn't long-term. Hopefully we're talking about this next week or the week after, and Jari is back on the ice after the All-Star break. And, you know, we could put this behind us. Hopefully Jari returns at full health and the Penguins can continue the wild-card battle with the likes of the Washington Capitals, Buffalo Sabres, and New York Rangers. But, uh, again, this is just another sort of developing story, developing storyline in what has become a long list of depth problems that are only just being uh, magnified because how many times have we talked about the Penguins' lack of bottom six depth and, you know, all of the things compounded together that make that have made a kind of average to maybe somewhat underwhelming Penguins team throughout 2022-2023. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. But we have a, switching gears now, we have a massive 11-question mailbag this week. So uh, thanks again for everyone who has been uh, submitting and uh, interacting with us on Twitter, through social media, and the podcast. Uh, one of the questions we do have pertains to the future of the Pensburg podcast, and uh, we will get to those questions here momentarily. Robbie, as always, you'll get question number one. Question number one comes from Brian 
Brian says, after listening to last week's episode, I would also love to see this team with an Andre Vasilevsky-type goaltender. Do you think that if things had played out differently for Matt Murray, he could have been considered to be on a Vasilevsky-like level? Well, trust me when I say that I wish the Penguins had a Vasilevsky-type goaltender as well, and I think there's probably 30 or 29 maybe other teams in the NHL that wish they had a Vasilevsky-type goaltender. Uh, the Tampa Bay, who has Vasilevsky, uh, the the Rangers, who have uh, Shesterkin, and I'm sure there's one other team out there that has a guy uh, playing close to that level uh, as well. But, yeah, so Matt Murray is such an interesting case because it seemed like he had really the whole hockey world, I mean, in his hands. I mean, two Stanley Cups uh, technically as a rookie because of how the qualifications for rookie work in, in the NHL. So, I mean, two Stanley Cups as a rookie. And there were times during those runs where he absolutely looked like the guy for the a very long time, as in 10, 15 years, the guy in Pittsburgh. And then after that second cup, it just never, never all came together for him. There was injuries, the passing of his father, just inconsistent play. And maybe it was just, I don't know if it was expectations or the pressure or if it really was just the injuries caught up to him. And maybe and maybe he just wasn't at the level that we were expecting from Matt Murray from those playoff years. What he did in those years was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, if you just look back at the 2017 Game 5 and Game 6 against the the Predators, consecutive shutouts, including one in Game 6 in Nashville where the Penguins needed every single one of those saves uh, that he gave them because it was only one nothing late in the third period. They didn't score until there was like a minute and a half left. So uh, he... Those early years were maybe we just had un just too high of expectations for what Matt Murray was as a goaltender, but could he have been that guy? I mean, I think if you would ask us five years ago, we would have said, yeah, Matt Murray's the future. Uh, he's going to be the the Penguins' backstop for the next ten years. I mean, they moved on from a franchise legend to keep Matt Murray in Pittsburgh and make him the number one goaltender. And it just didn't work out. So, I mean, could he have been that guy without, um, if things played out differently, maybe, but also maybe the expectations that we set were just uh, irrational because of what we saw in, in really a very small sample size uh, during the 2016 and 2017 cup runs. Uh, number two from Brendan. I think the Pens will get in uh, the playoffs and grab the third divisional spot. If we don't, though, we miss the playoffs. Who are your East and West teams and why? I'll take the glass half full approach here, and I'll say the Penguins, I'll say they fight and they claw and they do get right now the, the third divisional spot over the Rangers. But looking at the the NHL standings right now, the East is pretty cut and dry. Boston, Toronto, and Tampa are going to take the, the top three spots in the Atlantic. Carolina and New Jersey, I imagine they're going to stay within the top two spots of the Metropolitan. Who takes the third Metropolitan spot? Like I said, I'll go to the glass half full approach, uh, and I'll say the Penguins take it. That would leave the wild card 
I think the Rangers will find a way to bring it together, and I think the Capitals will as well. Both of those teams, with the Rangers, you can hopefully Leon Shesterkin and some of the young guns kind of find their way. Uh, and for the Capitals, it's kind of the opposite, the opposite end of the spectrum. It's a veteran-laden team, and I think the Capitals, much like the Penguins, who are both in the wild card spots right now, will like to hopefully lean on their veteran presence and get into the postseason that way. But looking at the, the, the Florida Panthers have kind of fallen off. They only have 52 points. The Buffalo Sabres are a surprise. They might be one of the league's biggest surprises this year just because of where they are right now. 53 points. They're only three points out of a wild card spot battling the Penguins and Capitals right now. So they're still very much in the mix. The Islanders have 51 points. So they could get hot and go on a run. The other teams in the Eastern Conference, uh, they're, they're kind of just middling at the bottom in the basement. The Red Wings, the Flyers, the Senators, a lot of those teams are in the rebuilding process. But yeah, the Sabres, they've been one of, uh, I guess if you're a Sabres fan, they've been a pleasant surprise and uh, they're still fighting in the wild card spot. So that's why I think comes out of the East. I think it's pretty much locked where it is right now, unless one of the teams in the wild card falls off and the Sabres kind of take advantage in the West. Uh, the the Stars, Jets, and I think the Avalanche. The Avalanche have been dealing with a lot of injuries this year. I don't know if it's so much of Stanley Cup hangover as it is dealing with some injuries to their key players. But the Stars and Jets right now uh, have 65 and, 60, 65 and 63 points respectively. Colorado has 55 points. I, I can't, I'm not going to bet against Colorado at this point. I think they'll find a way to earn more points as the season comes to a conclusion. Those three teams get in. How about the Seattle Kraken currently leading the Pacific Division right now with 61 points, tied with Vegas at 61, and the Los Angeles Kings, after going through a few years of a rebuild, have 60 points right now. The Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl will will that team, no matter how bad it is, of a supporting cast around Dreisaitl and McDavid. Uh, I think the Oilers will find a way into the postseason. The Calgary Flames right now are battling with the Minnesota Wild and the Nashville Predators and the St. Louis Blues for that final wild card spot in the West. Um, I'd like to see Calgary get in. I, I don't really, you know, I don't care for the Wild. Uh, I know Bill Guerin is kind of dealing with a ton of dead cap space right now. The Wild kind of strike me as a team that's in limbo. They don't really know what they are. I don't know what they are. The Nashville Predators at 52 points. Again, they're within striking distance if they go on the run. But I think we're at a point now heading into February where uh, a, a lot of this seeding and positioning might swap a little bit here and there, but you're starting to see who the defined teams are. And I think the teams that I, that I mentioned are probably the teams that are going to make it in. I don't want to say everything's set because obviously it isn't, but yeah, I'd imagine the teams who are at the top of their divisions right now and the wild card spots right now are probably the teams that I would bet money towards to make the postseason when April comes around. Question number three is from Brendan. Nick Paul was a major depth piece to the Tampa Bay Lightning last year, and he was acquired for Matthew Joseph and a fourth round pick. Uh, in Brendan's eyes, this means that we can have our lunch and eat it too by keeping our first round pick and building depth. What options do you see as viable for a potential McGinn, Kapanen, or Bluger trade, plus the addition of a second, third, or fourth rounder? Also, I get 
the tough love idea, but why are some NHL coaches so ruthless when it comes to rookies? Jonathan Gruden, who was recently called up, is a half-point-per-game player in the AHL. You know he's a project when you bring him up, and ditto goes for Daryl Sutter in Calgary. Uh, man, the trade the trade deadline is going to be very interesting for the Penguins because you have a, a front office that values keeping uh, draft picks, and draft picks are what other teams, selling teams want, so... Yeah, what are they going to do exactly? I man, this is such a good draft. It's really hard to give up that first round pick. Um, if I mean, especially if the Penguins would not make the playoffs. Now, again, if they would not make the playoffs, they would be one of the last teams out. So their odds of getting uh, the first overall pick would be amazingly like thin, like very little. But I mean, you never say never. Uh, and getting a guy like Connor Bedard, obviously, yeah, it changes um, changes the complete outlook for the franchise for the next ten years. And at, really, can you just imagine the Twitter meltdown if the Penguins would somehow miss the playoffs for the first time in almost two decades and get the draft another franchise cornerstone? It would be absolutely phenomenal. And, and now I don't think McGinn, Kavanaugh, or Bluger really have any trade value. The picks are what have the trade value. So them moving would be more of a um, please take these guys to open up cap save for us kind of deal. Um, McGinn, I, I, I know that Kavanaugh has a bigger contract number, but McGinn has all those years. So if you could get McGinn uh, in a trade, get him out of Pittsburgh, uh, just simply for getting that contract clean off the books, uh, would be an absolute win, even if it is for um, just a marginal bottom six player. But right now, a marginal bottom six player is better uh, than what uh, the Penguins have on the roster. And then as for the second part of that question, why are NHL coaches so ruthless to some rookies? I think a lot of it is old-time hockey, the old-time mentality a lot of coaches still have. Uh, Sutter uh, in Calgary is pretty much a prime example of that. that I mean, he grew up. Uh, he played in an era where, yeah, you didn't, you all had a short leash. Uh, so he, yeah, if a guy slacks off for a shift, that all is a big uh, negative to coaches like that, um, that have the kind of that mindset of, um, dogging it a little bit or something like that. And again, there's some coaches that you could argue are too lenient on guys that are dogging it and not necessarily rewarding them, but not really either punishing them. Uh, either for uh, for their misdeeds. So I think really why are these guys so hard is a lot of it's just a mentality thing, uh, an old-school hockey kind of thing that is ingrained in a lot of these older coaches because that's how they came up, and uh, it's been baked into their coaching style as well. Uh, number four, again from Brendan. I love Bluger, but at $2.2 million, I think he is truly a quality fourth-liner. In reality, he can re- be replaced by Drew O'Connor, John Gruden, uh Valtteri Pustinen, uh, William Nylander, Sam Poulin, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's funny, the the kind of co- the switch in tone we have when it comes to Teddy Bluger. Uh, one or two years ago, we would have been saying he's the, the next third-line center right behind Malkin, and now the offense has kind of dried up. The defensive numbers and penalty-killing numbers aren't what they have been, and uh, again, to Brendan's point, looking at 2.2 mil, you could probably – uh, you can probably spread that out over a couple of different contracts. And he brings up all of the different examples. Looking at uh, the Penguins' total salary cap uh, and who is under contract, 
Valtteri Pustinen right now has a, a cap hit or a contract of 842 500,000. He's a restricted free agent. He'll probably come back next year if the Penguins want him back. He'll probably come back at the same or somewhere around that number 840,000. Uh Alex Nylander right now making I think it's league minimum 750,000 at the NHL level. He's an RFA. The Penguins can have him back for the same price or around the same price next year. Uh uh, Jonathan Gruden, uh, Drew O'Connor, those players getting a little bit of, of NHL action. Gruden is a restricted free agent. He's making 790000 this year. O'Connor's making league minimum. He He's at uh, seven fifty. Ryan Paling's at league minimum. He's also making seven fifty. The thing for the Penguins is, uh, for the Penguins' benefit, a lot of these younger guys uh, are restricted free agents, so it won't take a whole lot of money to negotiate with them. They don't have a lot of leverage. Uh, it will come down to if Mike Sullivan and Ron Hextall find value in these younger, cheaper players and play them on a more regular basis. Because I agree with Brendan, the bloom has come off the rose for for Teddy Bluger, and I think at two point two mil, you can spread that out, spread that out over a couple of different bottom six players who maybe give you the same or if not a little bit more production than what Teddy Bluger gives you right now. So between O'Connor, Gruden, Pustin, and Nylander, Poulin, who um, you know is away from the team right now, hope to have him back in the fold sometime soon if and when he's ready to come back. But a lot of these young players, they're not going to be game changers. Uh, that's just the price the Penguins have paid for having so much uh, success at the NHL level. But a lot of these players can be quality uh, bottom six players if they reach their ceiling. Uh, O'Connor has continued to impress the more and more Mike Sullivan has deployed him and not giving him five minutes of ice time a night. Jonathan Gruden remains a little bit of a project. Valtteri Pustinen uh, is one of the uh, the Wilkes-Barre Penguins leading point getters. Uh, Alex Nylander has some, some, some NHL experience with the Chicago Blackhawks before coming over uh, in the Sam Lafferty trade. Sam Poulin, a former first rounder, um, so you have that billing. You don't really know what he's made of yet at the NHL level, but all of these players, uh, starting in 2023, 2024, they could realistically have a spot in the bottom six of the Penguins lineup. Will all of these players make it? Probably not. But, um, if you're looking to spread some of the salary cap out, getting rid of a player like Bluger or potentially a Jeff Carter or a Kasperi Kapanen, you have some of these options that you can rely on at very, very cheap team-friendly deals, which is what the Penguins are going to need over the next couple of seasons. Question number five for you, Robbie, comes from Brian. I know both of you said you're not really Jersey guys, but would you ever consider getting a player from another team? I really like the retros the Arizona Coyotes have put out, and I kind of want a Logan Cooley jersey in one of them. Also, Brian asks, what are your thoughts on Cooley as a prospect? Think of the damage both he and Bedard could do together if that were to happen. Yeah, jersey, I mean, if you ever get a jersey from another team, um... Just kind of going through some names here. Maybe like a Makar, because Kel Makar rules. Um, and the jersey itself would have to be like, because there's a lot of the re- reverse retro designs uh, were cool as well. Um, so, yeah, like a, uh, a Kel Makar uh, in a reverse retro, the Colorado reverse retros, which uh, were really, really nice. Uh, the, the Minnesota, I mean, maybe a Kaprizov in there throwback reverse retro minnesota north stars colors which are obviously phenomenal 
Uh, and then, yeah, anything, obviously there's not a ton of talent in Arizona right now, but the Kachina throw, or the, well, that's their regular jersey now, the Kachina uh, jerseys, which with the, the Wolf, uh, it just, it's awesome. It's such a great jersey. I absolutely love it. Um, and yeah, and as for Logan Coley, a Pittsburgh kid, uh, unfortunately for the Penguins, was not available uh, last year when they were drafting. Uh, he was a one of the top prospects. He went, I believe, number four overall uh, to Arizona. Uh, he's going to be a superstar, uh, and he's really he, he's kind of the next benchmark for uh, players out of the Pittsburgh area. I mean, you've had your Brandon Sodge, your John Gibsons, and now you have uh, Logan Coley, who I mean, a top five draft pick, um, playing in a a market that yeah he won't have a lot of eyes on him, but maybe that will help him kind of develop without all the pressure and he can help kind of build up that market again uh, in Arizona where uh, when they get a new arena finally in a couple of years. So you always have to watch him the one time a year he comes in with the coyotes when he gets to the, uh, to the big league. So um, yeah, I mean, I think Cooley, I mean, it's great for the area and great for hockey in Pittsburgh and uh, it's going to be exciting to watch him grow. Uh, question number six from uh, Brian again. Uh, do you think a potential buyout to Jeff Carter is uh, in the cards for, before next season? Or do you think they'll ride out the last year with him considering they're still paying the buyout of Jack Johnson? I don't think a lot of teams really like to go the buyout route. And I was honestly surprised when the Penguins announced that they had bought out the remaining the remaining of Jack Johnson's contract. Uh, from Ron Hextall's perspective, I think there's built-in loyalty and friendship to the Jeff Carter extension, which is why uh, I, I don't see a buyout in the cards for Carter. Financially speaking, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, you take on a little bit of a of dead cap space for the next two years because he would have one year left on this deal uh, for the 2023-24 season. So you take on a little bit of dead cap for the following two years until that contract is officially off the books. But because, yeah, because they're still paying, I don't want to say super hefty, but it's still a, it's still close to a million dollars in dead cap to Jack Johnson. I don't think that they're going to buy out Carter because part of it too is the way general managers operate. I know Robbie and I have talked about it in a couple of questions in the past. I said there's loyalty and friendship baked into some of these contracts. Uh, the Jim Rutherford, Jack Johnson extension was a prime example of that because after that contract was signed, stories came out through the Pittsburgh media that Jim Rutherford looked at Jack Johnson almost like as a, a son to, to Jim Rutherford. So I wouldn't be surprised if that there's the kind of similar dynamic between Hextall and Carter in that regard. Unless Carter retires or they find someone to take his contract, uh, I imagine he finishes out uh, I imagine he finishes out his contract barring something unforeseen uh, in terms of the salary cap perspective. Question number seven for you, Robbie, comes from Brendan. Why bring up Jonathan Gruden and punish him for his blunder on the PK? In his second game, he caught he got caught chasing on the penalty kill, partially because Rust wasn't covering him. This resulted in a goal against, and then he was benched for all but one more shift. What's the point? You need some healthy bodies. Um, and again, we kind of talked about this last week a little bit about him, those young guys coming up and adding a Joel to uh, the lineup and Sometimes it works, and jo Jonathan Gruden had, I mean, a, a, a nice little spark in that first game he played, and unfortunately that was kind of um, curtailed be 
by his, I guess, quote unquote mistake that you can maybe lay blame on uh, a mistake by Russ that kind of put Gruden in an unfair position to uh, cover where cover ground that he just simply could not was not in position to cover. But um, yeah, I think they were looking for a spark and what happened happened. And it kind of goes back to that question about why do some coaches punish uh, rookies? And I think that's just a kind of a symptom of that. It's just the mentality of the old time coaches that a young player screws up. He's got to pay his dues. He's going to ride the bench and uh, it just kind of snowballs from there. And yeah, I don't think there's really too much to read into it. I just think it's kind of a culture thing with the NHL, why it played out like that. Uh, Question number eight, we'll go back to Brian. Uh, If this season has taught the front office anything, it should be that you can't can't win in this league with only two lines. Maybe it'd be different if the guys being relied on were younger and we didn't have this injury curse, but that's just not our reality. However, the season closes, the next needs to open with the bottom six retold with depth. You can tell we're not far off from making one more run with this core. I think Brian in this one question has kind of taken all of my reasons for frustration with this this 22-23 season and just kind of bottled it up all together into one perfect explanation as to why I feel the way I do about this team is because this isn't 2016-2017. They're not in their late 20s, early 30s anymore. They can't rely on uh, being a two-line team because they're not younger. That, that Father Time waits for no man unless your name is Tom Brady, but it looks like Father Time has just come for Tom Brady as well. So yeah, retooling the bottom six with better depth has been basically the overarching conversation we've had this entire season is the 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 play that even if they're generational players they're 35 36 years old can't control the game like they used to and you need to have effective bottom six NHL caliber players take control and provide scoring when your top players are either injured or they just don't have it that night or they are scoring and they need a little bit of extra juice to get over the finish line. Because I agree with Brian, this team, you can win having an old team. Look at the, I think it was the, uh, I just saw it not too long ago, a, a graphic of those Red Wings teams who were filled with a ton of veterans. I think they had a really young uh, Zetterberg on the roster, maybe a couple of other younger players that took them into the uh, the early to mid 2000s. You ha- you can definitely win in this league with an older roster of players, but it needs to be tooled with the right amount uh, of scoring depth, NHL caliber players, and the Penguins just don't have that. So it's you're kind of just left to hope for the best at this point. I don't know if this season is that one more year that you can make a run with this core. Hopefully, you'd like to think with $20 million in salary cap space, maybe a little bit more if you jettison some of the other contracts, uh, that the Penguins can retool effectively and spend that money a bit more wisely over this upcoming offseason. Because, yeah, they that's the point. That's why that's why Malkin and Latang and Rust and Raquel signed these extensions. So you can get that one final run before everything just kind of falls apart and you know age takes its toll on all of these players. 
But with that comes the misallocation of the salary cap, and we're in the situation we're in right now, giving $3.1 million to Jeff Carter, giving over $3 million to Casper Kapanen. It's an amalgamation of different issues that have kind of combined together and given given us the 2022-23 Pittsburgh Penguins. So I don't want to say this season is over because it most definitely isn't. The Penguins could shock the world and go on a run this year. I just don't see it. Maybe it's because I'm a cynic slash realist, but... Hey, who knows? Maybe 2023-24 is that year where they can go in for one last run. Question number nine, Robbie, comes from Brian again. Going into the season, I would say Tristan Jari. Tristan Jari is the most important unrestricted free agent going into the 2023-24 season. But as this season has played out, maybe it's actually Jason Zucker. Would you like to see the team prioritize Jason Zucker over Tristan Jari? Jari is a great goaltender when healthy. I think at this point, the Penguins need to start questioning whether an extension is worth the price given his inability to stay healthy. And they should definitely be looking to get a veteran backup at the deadline regardless. Important-wise, I mean, I think Jari is obviously the most important question. Uh, but the most important player, I mean, goaltending is so important in this league, so you got to think uh, if he's not 1A, he's probably 1B. But I kind of agree with Zucker as well because it's quite clear that uh, he means something to this team and what he brings to this team and he was kind of in the same boat as Jari there when it came to injuries and this year knock on wood been very healthy outside of uh, a little stint there in December but I think you have to take a hard look at the free agent situation with Jason Zucker this offseason to the point where I'm making him Maybe my top priority, if depending on what the how the goaltending sh- situation shakes out, if Jari comes back and it's lights out for the rest of the season, then yeah, I mean, then you have to. That's probably your top priority if he's going to play like that. But if he's still injured and beat up and doesn't play, if he doesn't come back till I don't know mid February, and you have to ask those questions, then maybe the most important question is what you do with Tristan Jari. But the most important signing at that point may be. Uh, Jason Zucker, if he keeps playing at the level he is, because it's not just the goal scoring, it's everything, really. He is almost like a heartbeat to this team right now. When he goes, they go, and he doesn't wear any letters on his chest, but, man, that guy plays like he's a team leader. And really, I mean, for his for his experience and his veteran poise, he he, he is a team leader in the in the room, regardless of whether he has an A on his chest or not. And I think really you have to sit down and if things keep going the way they are, I think that, yeah, Jason Zucker is probably your top free agent priority uh, this offseason, given that everything that he's meant to the team this year, despite all the struggles, what you're one consistent, it feels like, has been uh, Jason Zucker. Uh, question number 10 um, is from Brian. It's kind of a two-parter from Brian and Brendan. They kind of uh, come together here. Uh, from Brian first, I really hope you boys – find a solution for the podcast. I love so many questions and listening to this every week while I'm at work delivering my mail route. Uh, some very nice words from Brian. Glad we can uh, make your work a little easier. And then from Brendan, um, sorry to hear about the podcast, guys. Love the focus on listener interaction with this pod. Uh, have you considered doing a, a Patreon or, uh, $1 or $2 a month uh, subscription uh, to help off, offset some of the upload fees and Garrett, I'll let you uh, take it away on this one since you've been doing a lot of the corresponding on the future of the podcast. 
Yes. So uh, kind of a lot, a lot changes or a lot can change in the span of seven days. Uh, last week we brought you the news that our current podcasting contract with SB Nation slash Vox Media will be terminated as of February 28th, 2023. I, th I think we can now, Robbie, comfortably say that the Pennsburg podcast is not going anywhere and will probably well it's going somewhere it just well, yes, won't yes. be at home at uh vox size sb nation anymore yes but the, the pensburg podcast will not be thrown in the garbage and it will not be discontinued i imagine that there might be um uh, there might be a little bit of inconsistency towards the tail end of the regular season depending on what shakes out but I can confidently say that the podcast is not going anywhere, and uh, as of right now, we're in conversation. As a matter of fact, we're in conversation with the the Pittsburgh Steelers SB Nation blog, Behind the Steel Curtain. Uh, they also uh, got the axe when it came to their podcast contract getting terminated as well. I was, uh, I was emailed by the managing editor of Behind the Steel Curtain, and Robbie and I are kind of in the early, early stages of figuring out and, and meeting with a couple of those guys over there who run their podcasts and trying to figure out what the proper platform will be because uh, upload, yeah, upload fees are a real thing. Before I got the contract with SB Nation and Vox Media, I was hosting and paying for the the podcast myself. And then some of the money that I was getting from the budget for the podcast would offset the uploading fees and the hosting fees that I would use. And so now that we're kind of going independent again, like when we started, um, yeah, uploading fees, that, that that's going to be, that's going to be one of the issues to keep the podcast viable. Um, but I think we're, we're going to be reaching a point here shortly. We don't have all the details ironed out yet, but what I can tell everybody listening and everyone, Brian, Brendan, everybody who submits questions to the mailbag and listens, if you like what you're listening to, Robbie and I can't thank you enough for supporting us. You know, I look at some of the metrics on, on the, the website that I use to upload the podcast and seeing the, the weekly and monthly download numbers really means the world to me. And, uh, I can tell that, you know, we've kind of developed a really solid listener base for what is really a, a really niche podcasting market. Um, you know, I don't know a ton of people going out of their way to listen to a Pittsburgh Penguins slash NHL podcast on a weekly, weekly basis. But, um, it, it's because of the listeners and people like Brian and Brandon, anyone who has submitted, uh, mailbag questions, anyone who's taken the time to download and listen, um, it's really because of you guys that we're able to keep this podcast afloat. And while we may be leaving the SB Nation Vox umbrella, and we'll probably uh, rebrand a little bit in the coming weeks and months, uh, we'll probably rebrand and rename the podcast. But Robbie and I aren't going anywhere. The The mailbag isn't going anywhere. Um, again, I know we talked earlier in the year about having some more guests on that kind of has been complicated by the fact that our contract got terminated and we're trying to find a solution to that as well. But yes, uh, to, to put a bow on this, the Pennsburg podcast will have a new name, probably have a new look. It'll have a new home. Uh, but the podcast itself is not going anywhere. We will probably be finishing out this season 
And uh, like we have been doing over the last couple of off seasons, we'll have a couple of sporadic episodes thrown in there, probably around the draft at the start of free agency. And then we'll start back up 2023, 2024 in our new home as well. But yeah, the details are still being ironed out. However, the Pensburg podcast will have a new name, but the podcast itself is not going anywhere. Question number 11. The final question of this week's mailbag, Robbie, comes from George McLennan. And it's a pretty short and straightforward question, Robbie. How does Ron Hextall still have a job? Uh, before I answer that question, I'll just kind of riff off uh, what Garrett said there. If sure, you've yeah, ever, seen the, ever seen The Wolf on Wall Street with Leonardo DiCaprio, there's the one moment where he's thinking about leaving his company. Uh, and he gets on the mic and he says, I'm not going to say the whole quote because it has some uh, NSFW language, but it's basically, I'm not going anywhere. Um, and that's kind of where we're, we're not going anywhere. Um like Garrett said, maybe some things, uh, some slight changes, mostly um, uh, graphical changes and kind of what the name is, I guess. But we'll I'll, we'll iron that out uh, between us here in the coming uh, weeks. And um, uh, but pay attention uh, to Pensburg um, as a whole. Um, there's probably some changes coming at some point. Just the reality of everything. I uh, won't get too deep into uh, from the site perspective, but from our perspective. We already know our expiration date, I guess you could say, um, that it's ending from uh, the SB Nation Vox perspective. But um, the future's still bright for the podcast. Uh, what it's named, I don't know. Um, uh, we haven't decided that yet, but it'll be hopefully it'll be something pen- Penguins related to kind of keep you guys um, uh, familiar in that way that old listeners uh are familiar with it it's not some random uh out of the blue like complete name change and then at the same time uh the opportunity to work with uh the guys over at behind the still curtain uh their uh podcast i believe will be changing a name too but i believe their site uh will still be uh, hosted by um uh, vox sb nation so um maybe there's some crossover there maybe some of you guys already listened to uh, their weekly podcast and maybe some of their listeners will see us and their penguins fans they just uh, never really dove in too deep so maybe we'll get some uh, residual uh, listeners by working with them guys and it'll be interesting to see um, what kind of network uh, they they build over there so yeah like Garrett said thank you guys for uh, listening um, every week the, those that uh, ask questions obviously that's what the bulk of this podcast is is getting uh user interactions with you guys and uh, that's really all i got to say and as for the question about why ron hex also has a job i would assume that if they don't make the playoffs he will no longer have a job and honestly if they make the playoffs and do not make have a good performance uh if um, fenway sports group decides that um, they have seen enough i would expect ron hextall to be uh packing his bags and the penguins uh in search for another general manager um, yeah, it's kind of weird how one resignation by Jim Rutherford kind of really set on this roller coaster of just uncertainty for the Penguins the past now two years since Jim Rutherford left left the position. So uh, why does Ron Hextall still have a job? Because I think that for, or Fenway Sports Group wants to at least give him one year. And if they aren't happy with the um, trajectory or aren't happy with the results – I would fully expect Ron Hextall to 
uh, be without a job heading into 23-24, and the Penguins under new leadership uh, in the front office um, with a new general manager and probably, I'm assuming, also a new president of hockey operations as well. But that's neither here nor there at the moment. We will obviously see how the rest of the season plays out. Uh, the Penguins are roughly 45, 46 games into the season, so over halfway they have a game tonight against the Capitals, crucial game, crucial game, and then against San Jose on um, Saturday, and then nothing for over a week. So next week when we're here, uh, we'll both probably be just listening to crickets play and answering whatever questions you guys have. Um, hopefully maybe a topic will come up during the bye week that – uh, give us something to talk about. But, I mean, other than that, thank you guys again. Um, couldn't do this without you. Uh, you guys, we'd just be talking into uh, talking into microphones and projecting to dead air. So, um, yeah, it's obviously last Friday when we recorded the last episode, things were uh, very cloudy up in the air. Uh, but now we have at least more of a foundation or an idea of where – we go from here, and it's exciting to know that uh, once March hits um, and the contract at Vox ends, the pe- the the Pensburg podcast, whatever we uh, roll with, it, whatever name it may shift to, uh, will still exist, and we'll still get to talk hockey with with you guys and answer your questions. and And who knows, maybe we'll be able to even expand and make the podcast uh, even better going forward with with the new. Uh, the new network and the new the new plans we have. So yeah, stick with us. Thank you guys so much, and I guess we'll talk to you next week. I'll pass it back over to Garrett uh, to wrap this up. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. We'll leave it there. Uh, Robbie brought it up. Uh, next week, n- Robbie. Next week is that the league mandated by week after the All Star break? Is that um... well? So I think that there's games like half the league is off starting like Sunday to all-star break. I think the all-star break is technically Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And then after like the all-star break, the second half of teams don't come back. So like Sunday through Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday next week, like half the league will play and the half of the league will be off. And then the all-star break, which is universal. And then when everybody, when the, Games resume after the All Star break. The other half of the league takes their bye week, so they won't play from like Tuesday to Friday or something like that. So it's like split half and half somewhere. So um, not everybody's off. It's just like split between with the All Star break kind of sandwiched in between the bye weeks. All right. Well, we'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Maybe, like you said, Robbie. Maybe next week we'll just do an all mailbag. Uh, edition of the podcast. If if no no news breaks or nothing crazy develops, if Sidney Crosby's head doesn't explode or something <laughs> like that, well we'll we'll uh, get some more listener interaction. But yeah, we'll leave it there. We'll wrap up this edition of the Pensburg podcast. And uh, thankfully, thanks like like Robbie said, like I said, thanks to everyone who has stuck with us and listened to. Even if you've listened to one episode of the podcast, we can't thank you enough. And to know that the Pensburg podcast. Um, might have a new name, but the podcast isn't going anywhere. So again, we, we thank everyone who has listened and continue to listen and, you know, we'll listen and we'll go with us into the future, whatever the future holds. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep you up to date here on the podcast. We'll keep you up to date at pensburg.com and at Pensburg's uh, social media channels, uh, in terms of what is going to change and how quickly things will change with the Pensburg podcast. But until then, 
I have been Garrett Bahanna for Robbie Noggle. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pensburg Podcast, and we will see you all right back here this time next week.